1: And now, your host, Tom Morges.
0: Welcome, everyone, to another broadcast of In the Trenches. Today's guest is Clay Aber. Now, this interview was actually done a few months ago, and in fact, was the first interview I've ever done online. It was before I had the podcast, before I had the equipment, before In the Trenches was In the Trenches. But Clay was nice enough to be my first guest. And so here it is remastered, uh, and put into in the trenches as part of the series. And the reason for that, I think you'll find out when you listen to the interview is because clay has a lot to offer, Uh, a lot to offer, not only to the aspiring entrepreneur, but anybody trying to actually create something. And that's because, well, he'll get into it, but it takes a lot of guts to create anything. So without further ado, here's today's broadcast. Hi, everyone. Tom Morcus here from TomMorkus.com, And today I have a very special guest. It's Clay Aber. And Clay uh, has a really interesting story. And we're going to let him go into a bunch of depth and and into that story. But I'm going to give some highlights because he's done some spectacular things. So he started at Accenture and spent 10 years at Accenture. And then he left corporate America and got his MBA with Seth Godin. Clay then went into building a innovation agency called tribes win where he helps brands lead their tribes and actually he's now transitioning over into a uh, new venture called workhacks.com also uh, he has a blog that he runs over at dailysense.com and I would definitely uh, suggest that you subscribe he currently is building a startup called spindos you can find it at spindos.com and it's going to change the way organizations collaborate and after he's talked to me about some of the ideas he had with it, I there's no question in my mind that it will actually legitimately deliver on that promise, which I think is amazing. And so obviously that's a lot of stuff that I just put out there. And it just goes to show you just how much Clay is multitasking and how many incredible things he's doing right now. And we're really going to get into that and how he instigates all these different products and projects successfully. So Clay, thank you so much for being here.
2: Thank you, Tom. Thanks for having me.
0: Awesome. So, I think I'd like to start with just you kind of go into your background a little bit and maybe even discuss some work hacks and uh, spindos, getting into that.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, from 1999 to 2009, I I did big corporate consulting at Accenture. Um, First seven or so years were project implementation stuff, working with clients, Um, and then the last three or four years... um, more on the marketing side, more on sales and biz dev, kind of leading our, our healthcare part of our healthcare practice with that. Um, it was great. It was it was uh, as most people uh, know or have heard. You know, management consulting is often long hours and hard work, but you're in the trenches with really good, smart, hardworking people. Mm-hmm. Um, the part of it that didn't really work for me was I was big into creativity and innovation and. Um, back in 2003, I was flying through the O'Hare Airport and saw this strange-looking purple book, sort of the color of your shirt there, um, on the airport bookshelf. needed another book to read for my leg of my flight. It was, it was Purple Cow by Seth Godin, and it was definitely the first business marketing book that, that climbed into my head and changed the way I thought, or really resonated with the way that I thought about business. So from 2003 to 2008, I was trying to get some of those things implemented inside of Accenture. But, um, they're, you know, the largest consulting firm in the world, a quarter million people work there. Um, it's not impossible to be sort of an entrepreneur change maker, linchpin purple cow inside of Accenture, but that was the battle that I was fighting and, um, and, and I wasn't able to, I was able to get a few things done there, but not a lot. So, um, at the time I was living in San Diego, I'd managed to, uh, live out there and work somewhat remotely for Accenture um, and Seth blogged about an opportunity to study with him and the title of it was um, If You Could Change Your Life, Would You? and here I was, you know, immersed in his stuff had, had been reading it for five years things like Clue Train Manifesto and just the, the sort of early um, inklings of, of all this social networking stuff you know, Facebook yeah. was just starting to get popular um, I remember logging on, you know, creating a, a Twitter account early on in 2008 um, and figuring that out. And I could see that this stuff was gonna change everything. I didn't know exactly how, but I was pretty sure that Accenture wasn't exactly gonna be at the cutting edge of it all. So oh. the blog post from Seth was um, absolute perfect timing. It was exactly the, I, I knew I wanted to leave Accenture, but I had this comfortable salary and this kind of comfortable life, even though the work wasn't perfect for me at the time, um, <clears throat> and, uh, and a lot of friends there. you know, a lot of, A lot of people I'd worked with a long time. But the Seth program was a perfect exit to leave. So, January two thousand nine. <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, I, I applied to that, got got lucky, and got in with, with eight other amazing people. Um, and packed up my stuff in storage in San Diego and flew across the country and uh, studied six months with with Seth. I mean, sitting around a conference table with him with you know nine people uh, for six months was really really changed my life.
0: That's awesome. Great story, and especially the part about uh, making the the jump from Accenture uh, into uh, creating your own organization, creating your own business. I, I feel like there's definitely a lot of fear that's associated with that and a lot of obstacles that you have to overcome to do something like that, to go from something that has a steady paycheck to something that is completely uncertain and potentially littered with failure points and fracture points and just breaking points and quitting points. But you did it. And so, what I want to know is, you know, what were your biggest fears and your biggest obstacles that you have to overcome to start tribes win, and then and then to get into uh, work hacks as well. I think that would be interesting to talk about both those a little bit.
2: Yeah, definitely. I mean, it was a pretty clear point of fear when I wrapped up the Seth Godin program. I, I hadn't quit Accenture. I had taken a six months leave of absence during the program, um, and I wasn't sure if I was going to go back or not. I sort of had. I sorta had Small dreams of maybe the program will help me implement some of these things inside of Accenture. Um, so when I was done with the Seth Godin program, uh, Samba we called it in 2009, I had this point in time where I had to decide between two choices. One was go back to Accenture, make a solid six figure salary, um, you know, back to back to the life I had, right. health insurance, comfortable job, move back to San Diego, that kind of thing. Or option B was start from scratch, zero clients, zero revenue, zero health insurance, you know, really, truly starting out on my own. And that was right. a really, really tough decision. Um, but I took the latter. I, the, the safety net that I had was, you know, people kind of look at a lot of this entrepreneurship stuff as, as like jumping off a building and hopeful, hoping the, the parachute opens. And I think that's the wrong way to look at it for two reasons. Yeah. Um, I was certainly had that, had that fear but what really helped me make that choice was um, the realization that if everything crashed and burned and I went six months and couldn't sign a single client, um, you know, couldn't I go back and get the job at Accenture or Deloitte or IBM or somewhere else? And the answer was, of course. You know, there's my career at Accenture was good enough that I could have gone and gotten a job like that anytime I wanted. So it wasn't really as risky as it seemed at the time with this kind of A, B binary choice. Mm-hmm. It was, A is going to be there, so why not take a swing at B? Um, and so now when I talk to startups and I coach entrepreneurs, um, I teach them that, you know, in in some cases, they don't have to quit their day job. They can build up the the thing on the side. There's a, there's a great book by Hugh McLeod, and it's a, it's a bunch of small sort of blog posts, but one of them is don't quit your day job. And I really, I really believe in that, that with the tools that we have available to us and the ability you can do it nights and weekends, right? Gary Vaynerchuk talks about it and crush it. Um, you know, 9 PM to midnight, three hours, you know, three hours a night, a few days a week. And you can build this thing up so that instead of jumping off a building, it's like stepping off a curb and it's much safer and it's a much, much more safe future. So, um, it was, it was scary, but within a few weeks, I'd signed my first client. It was a woman that I had worked with before. Um, it was, it was kind of strange, actually. It was a woman that I would worked with through Craigslist years ago, doing some helping her with Excel, um, just through a random gig on, on Craigslist. And She had, had heard about the program and asked what I was doing, and I told her I was helping companies with marketing. She was with uh, All Tech Lansing at the time. Uh, They make headphones and and computer speakers and boom boxes and things like that. So that was my first social media client. And from there, I started working with Sebastian Younger, the author of The Perfect Storm. And so we built a community site around him, kind of helping him uh, identify and and lead and connect with his tribe. Um, We did some cool things there. He wrote a book called War that was all about um, this, this small group of soldiers in the Kortingall Valley. Um, it had a corresponding documentary called Restrepo. So yep. on his site, on SebastianYounger.com, which didn't exist before, we set up the ability for anyone who read the book to email contact soldiers at SebastianYounger.com, and that would route to me, and then we would forward it to the appropriate soldier. So the soldiers, uh, Privacy and emails were protected because everything came through me. But if they read Sebastian's book and really identified with, say, Brendan O'Byrne or one of the soldiers in the book, um, right. they could go to Sebastian's site, send the soldier this email, and I would connect the two. Um, and they could communicate directly with the, the actual people that they read about in this book. So we did some we did some pretty neat things. It turns out um, Sebastian is, is he's obviously an amazing writer. Perfect Storm, War, everything. But some people are just, you know, Twitter is not the right medium for them. And that's kind of the way it turned out with Sebastian. But I've um, done some really cool things. And, and the, the clients keep getting bigger and bigger. Um, and now what we found is um, we sort of transitioned from Tribes Win. And now I work with my girlfriend. We have a, this company called WorkHacks that you mentioned. Um, um, we still do a little bit of, of uh, marketing consulting and social media consulting. But we have zero desire to build a big agency around that. Right. Um, the only way to scale that sort of consulting is to hire a bunch of people, build them out to the client. And I was like, wait a minute, that's what Accenture was doing to me. <laughs> um, and it's just not the kind of business that we wanted to build. We could, yeah, w- with our background, she's got a, a deep background in marketing and social media as well. And with our background and connections, we could pretty easily build a 10 or 15 person agency, but it's the, the last kind of business that we want to build. So um, that's why we're transitioning to to work hacks and and, and I'm building spindles.
0: I love that. I, I definitely uh, resonate with how you find what you enjoy and also the things that you just want to avoid. That's a powerful lesson I don't think a lot of people learn soon enough.
2: Yeah, Seth talks about uh, a really important distinction because when I was at Accenture, I thought there was Accenture, i.e. work for the man, work for a big corporate job or right. you are an entrepreneur. I thought it was one or the other. And Seth makes a very big distinction between entrepreneur and freelancer and yes. it even though I knew it and heard it from him it really took a couple of years to sink in and realize um, you know the the difference for, for people listening um, a freelancer sells their time and there's nothing there's nothing wrong there's no one right choice it's just understanding the difference between the two. A freelancer sells his or her time so you're working per hour or per page or freelance copywriter freelance editor. And what I realized is the consulting that I was doing um, with these big firms, I thought I was an entrepreneur. And in the traditional sense or traditional definition of leading and starting something on your own, which is what most people call it, I was an entrepreneur. Well, Seth really makes the delineation of if you're selling your hours, you're a freelancer. And there's sort of a bus test. (laughs) If you get hit by a bus tomorrow and the business is gone, you're, you're a freelancer. Entrepreneurs take money, usually other people's money to Build something bigger than themselves. So, Jack Dorsey at Twitter and Square is an entrepreneur. You know, if Jack Dorsey decides to, you know, go on his yacht for a month or, God forbid, gets hit by a bus or anything, Twitter and Square will continue to go on, right? Apple is achieving record profits long after Steve Jobs is gone because he built yep. this amazing, you know, his ultimate entrepreneur, built this amazing company with this culture of innovation. So, um, what I what I've decided is I really I I want to be an entrepreneur more than I want to be a freelancer at this point.
0: That completely resonates with me. I remember um, at the Seth Godin you know meetup and uh, and when he brought up that point, the difference between uh, an entrepreneur and a freelancer, you can balance these things. You can meld them together too if you want, but it doesn't always have to be you know one hundred percent one or the other.
2: I think his point in delineating is, and, and I think you would say. <laughs> If you're not Seth Godin, it's better to choose one or the other, um, mm-hmm. because the the pain comes from in sort of that limbo where you don't know if you're a freelancer or an entrepreneur, and to be one or the other and to do it well, you make certain choices, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the guys that started, um, you know, Twitter or, or pick any startup, um, they acted like entrepreneurs. They went and got funding and they built it fast and and whatever. And you know, there's there's uh, you can do an internet startup without, you know, going to raise funding. Like the guys at Thirty Seven Signals stayed very small, distributed. Um, mm-hmm. You know, they are maybe a little bit in that hybrid. If if you know Jason or David go away tomorrow, uh, Thirty Seven Signals still goes on, but they're clearly, you know, the two leaders of that relatively small in number but high in revenue company. So that was very attractive to me, and they're they're book a rework, um, you know, and, and Getting Real and, and their other books and their blog has, has really impacted me as far as how to build a pretty scalable software platform um, and keep a relatively small team. So,
0: so you know, that kind of transitions too into your venture with Spindos, which yep. is an entrepreneurial pursuit. It's right. something that you plan to create and grow and you can make money from it while you sleep, so to speak. Can you go into that a little bit?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So, Spindos is... Um, it's an enterprise discovery platform. So when I worked at Accenture um, after a decade, so when I left to go do the Seth program, I knew about 100 people at Accenture because you get on a team and you move from project to project within a division, within a division, within a division. And I looked back and I thought, it's pretty strange that I met 100 people in 10 years. And in 120 months, I met less than one new person a month at Accenture. And I, that really yeah. just didn't sit well with me. But I didn't really you know, have a solution or anything else. Um, and then a few years ago, there was you know, this thing called chat roulette and it failed for a whole bunch of reasons. Um, and my girlfriend and I were talking and you know, batting around ideas and she said, you know, I think it'd be really interesting, this video chat thing. I think there's something there. And so we played around with it and thought about um, you know, this problem that I saw at Accenture where it's really hard to meet relevant people at Accenture. Um, one of my best friends in the whole world and I met while we were at Accenture, but we almost never met. It was a really random set of circumstances where two different people canceled on this sales meeting. We got there early, sat out in the car, and just from talking, we knew, like instant, one of those just connections, we're instant best friends. I yeah. was in his wedding, that kind of thing. Um, so I want Spindos to encourage a lot of those. So, what Spindos is, in, in a nutshell, is one thing companies are very good at doing is having meetings. So um, I wanted to use that construct and do something that they already do a lot and they're very good at but make it a lot more useful or valuable because they have meetings all day, every day. All the corporate people I know are still you know, double booked 80% of the time in meetings. But just like me at Accenture, they're not actually meeting any new people, right? They're meeting with people they already know. So Spindos is... Um, a video speed networking platform. So if you've ever done speed networking at a conference or speed dating, that kind of thing in person, um, it's a little bit like that delivered via a video chat, just like we're doing right now. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's all based on tags. So I might have the tags, New York, VP, marketing. um, And then you have personal tags like tennis or golf or dark chocolate. Um, You know, you might have the tags, Michigan, you know, military, you know, lions, that kind of thing. Um, And inside of an organization, once everybody's got those tags, you allow people, Spindos allows people to hold meetings called Spindos, where instead of inviting people to the meetings, you invite tags or attributes. So you could say, I want all the directors in New York in healthcare to meet all the directors in Los Angeles in healthcare, Um, or any combination of tags. You could just say, I want everyone in New York who plays flag football because I want to meet those people or I want to go golfing or whatever. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's not trivial from a technology perspective, um, but given the, the trends that I see, which are the internet gets faster every day, you know, uh, people's accessibility to video, video chat, webcams, their comfortableness doing what we're doing right now, um, and tablets, you know, you see the iPad, the iPad mini, the droid tablets and things like that getting, getting so huge. Um, that I think it's going to be a lot easier for executives to walk around and and do this. So um, there's, there's some kind of specific benefits. Tony Shea talks about collisions, right? These serendipitous meetings of people. Um, And so I'm trying to encourage more of those collisions inside of the company. And what's interesting is if you record the meeting, like we're recording this meeting, Mm -hmm. if you record a one hour spindo with 60 people, it creates 30 hours worth of video because just like you and I are chatting there would be 29 other seats of other people that are chatting well if you collect all that and send it somewhere to get transposed and curated and cleaned up you can create a pretty interesting you know 30 minute or 60 minute out of 30 hour you know 30 hours of video you create sort of yeah. the sports center highlights And now you've got either a new training module or some really interesting, you know, knowledge management components.
0: I think it sounds brilliant. You know, it's just, it seems like the kind of idea that once you create it, uh, you're going to find a lot of success with it. It, To me, it it seems like no brainer for a big organization. You know, anything from, you know, private organizations to to government uh, organizations like the military that are huge and and, and lack that kind of communication across the different branches and stuff like that. It would just be a very useful tool.
2: Right. And even all the, I think there's a secondary market. um, I'm definitely going to target sort of large organizations and fortune 500 first, but um, I speak at some conferences and I attend a number of conferences and at, at a conference I spoke at recently in San Diego, they actually did speed networking where they had everyone line up against the wall and everyone else line up in front of them. And then every four minutes click over, which is, Exactly the experience'm I'm, I'm trying to deliver via video, um, yeah. but every conference I go to, you know now there's often a private Facebook group, which is great. it's very asynchronous. it's you know a little bit better for storing files and things like that, but you don't really meet somebody via their you know Facebook profile versus what we're doing right now, which is um, even if even if we only chat for four minutes, but then the system remembers that we met, it stores all the tags about you. So that I can go back and revisit that, I, I think that's pretty interesting.
0: It just seems like a resource that'd be so useful for so many types of people, so many organizations, but great on an individual basis too. Yeah, um,
2: I hope so. If somebody,
0: yeah, if somebody can get like the store all that data and, and, and keep all that information from say a conference like we just had. Right. I, having already been acquainted to me, I think that would actually be a, a great use for it, too, is before a conference begins, I think that's incredible.
2: Yeah, I can imagine before, say, South by Southwest, if you want to connect with certain people and you can browse the tags and the people that have registered. And, yeah, you could have a Spindo um, and meet 30 people before you go down to South by, before you go to TED, before you go to a Seth Godin event. Definitely.
0: If you could give one piece of advice for a recent college grad or sure. somebody who's looking to become an entrepreneur but with little experience, what would you? What piece of advice would you give them?
2: Sure. Absolutely. So, there's a great book called The Lean Startup by Eric Ries. Um, and Eric Ries learned a lot from Steve Blank, was sort of his teacher and mentor. Um, the, the biggest thing is you don't need, like don't read TechCrunch, you don't need Funding, because all, all the tech startup blogs talk about who raised their you know, series A round and who got funded. Whatever. Don't worry about all that. Get started. There's a great site called LaunchRock. If you have an idea, figure out how to explain it in a paragraph or two. Figure out the perfect image that describes it and then throw up a page on LaunchRock, let's say. Promote it via your social networks. Tell your friends or whatever. What Launchrock does is it collects emails of people that are interested. So you can say that that you're building this. You know, you can sort of lie, but you you're just testing the market, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you want to create something interesting and unique that that nobody else is doing. You know, I wouldn't create you know Pinterest for mermaids or these little <laughs> slices of existing. You know, this for that sort of thing. Right. Um, but. Things like LaunchRock or just just putting on a blog and seeing if people resonate with the idea is a great way to to test your idea with literally no you know n- no investment except for a few hours of time. And if you promote it and only your girlfriend and your mom sign up, you probably don't have a business unless you're going to make your money from your girlfriend and your mom. But if it spreads and people love the idea and you get a thousand, fifteen hundred signups, then you probably have something and you should pursue it. So. I guess I'm talking about people with ideas you know, and they don't know where they should start. Don't Mm -hmm. start by learning how to code. Learn how to code if you want to learn how to code. That's great. There's a million resources out there. But what the Lean Startup and all the teachings around it um, does is teaches you how to get out of the building, they say, talk to actual customers, Mm -hmm. figure out if people want what they're building. I hear, I work with startups and I hear so many startup ideas all the time. 80% 80% of them are just, I think insane, but you know, who knows, prove me wrong, there's been plenty of startups that I thought would be insane that, that worked out well. Right. So I basically say, I don't know, unless, it's a, unless I think it's a terrible idea, I say, okay, go, go talk to your customers. Um, there's a great sort of uh, saying I like, which is define the statement that if it's true, you have a business, and if it's not true, you don't have a business. So, are you familiar with Skillshare.com, does that name ring a bell at all?
0: I am familiar with that.
2: Okay, so Skillshare, they had a few different ideas before Skillshare and tried out a few different things, um, but then they thought about you know the, the core idea of Skillshare. Mm-hmm. They did what I recommend everybody do, which is figure out the statement that if it's true, you have a business, and if it's not true, you don't. So for Skillshare, that was, will people pay for classes taught by their peers? Because if they prove that that's true, the rest of it is sort of details and where they put the logo on the website and everything else, right? Right. In the Lean Startup, they sort of call it customer market fit um, or product market fit. So they, for almost no money, put up a simple WordPress landing page, hooked the Buy Now buttons to Eventbrite. They didn't even have the back end, they used somebody else's back end, which is a perfectly excellent lean startup strategy which is if yeah. somebody else has the ticketing thing we don't have to build that yet, we just need to prove people will pay for classes taught by their peers. So they were their peers they thought of three classes they could teach they put up the WordPress page and sold out they sold out all the classes. So for almost no money in a few hours of time they were able to validate that they had at least a decent business. Now you got to continue to value, validate and continue to Peel the onion and talk to customers and keep going, but if they put up those three classes and zero people signed up, maybe they needed to tweak their marketing copy. Maybe they needed to try different marketing distribution channels, but maybe people just wouldn't pay for classes taught by their peers. So right. they validated that. And there's there's tools online like the Lean Launch Lab and uh, the Lean Canvas and things like that where. Um, one thing I would recommend they don't do is create the traditional 20, 30, 40 page business plan in PowerPoint that every business school professor will probably tell you to do and right. your you know, mom's uncle or whatever your uncle will tell you to do. LeanCanvas.com, LeanLaunchLab.com will allow you to create a really interesting, dynamic, one page online business plan with a bunch of these hypotheses. So Skillshare could have filled all this out and one of their hypotheses could have been people will pay for these kinds of you know classes taught by their peers. And, and they validated that for very little money so they can move to the next step. Mm-hmm. So um, I think that's uh, a really... think it, It's hard because y- you have to start thinking this way and it, it takes a little while. But right. all of the tools and all of the resources are available for free online. Um, on Steve Blank's website, there's a great list of... Um, startup tools that's kind of like the laundry list of everything. It includes LaunchRock and includes all these different things. And a lot of them are around testing and validating and positioning. So we can can link to that in the show notes. But there's a really, really robust list of tools. Um, But basically don't start by building would be my recommendation. Start by validating. Get a clipboard and a legal pad and get out of the building and go talk to people and figure out how can you validate? You got to come up with your idea and then you got to back up one step and say, how can I prove this? How can I prove this is true? How can I prove people want this?
0: I love that. I, I love that attitude and that uh, that methodology mm-hmm. for creating something. It takes away so much of the uh, ambiguousness of it and the, the danger and uncertainty of it because yeah. you can test with very little, if any, money. Right. Right. Very little risk yeah. and a lot of reward.
2: Absolutely. Yeah, the reward is just as big. And what it does is it completely minimizes the risk, and um, it's not like opening a restaurant where on day one you're in for half a million or two hundred thousand, and your ravioli better be good. Um, you can you can test out with with you know using online using these online tools. You can get offline, talk to customers, figure out if people would want this, um, and if you know if they if based on their feedback they want something that's close but not quite that, you can do what they call a pivot, which is still the main big kind of audacious goal of whatever but executing it in a different way maybe you execute it by building a tribe or building an email list or maybe that a different technology to reach it
0: i like that that's awesome how do you maintain focus to bring these ideas to life
2: yeah well i would say one of the reasons that some of them are not as far to life as i would like them is because i juggled too many things and i would I would uh, not recommend that, and I need to okay. get better myself at, at focusing. Um, uh, Seth talks a lot about this in the dip of quitting things to focus on on the one thing, being the best in the world at that thing. Um, you know, the flip side is we're still doing the consulting to pay the bills and pay for the apartment and buy food and things like that. So it's not this. Uh, I, I'd rather do that than you know have to take angel funding. Um, But it's really trying to compartmentalize a lot of work hacks is about productivity and focus and time blocking. So I'll give you a few examples. One is um, I love being in New York surrounded by millions of people. The New York tech startup scene is wonderful. Um, But I could literally spend all week having random coffee meetings with different startups who want to talk like what we're talking about. And obviously then I don't get anything done. So what I've decided to do, it's one of the posts on work hacks. Um if people want to meet with us for coffee and kind of pick our brain, we say okay, Tuesday from 3 to 5, we camp out at this particular coffee shop. Um if you want to meet and chat, here's the calendar, you can book a 30-minute, you know, window in on Tuesday from 3 to 5 p.m. at this coffee shop. So what it does is it we know every Tuesday, you know, if anyone's booked the time, we'll go there and work there and it takes the answer of 17 random coffee meetings off the table. It just says We'd love to help, but you know, we, this is how we sort of organize that. So that concept of time blocking and even day blocking—there are days that I only work on Spindos, yeah. or days that I only work on Workax, for instance. So um, that really helps with focus, I think.
0: I can't wait to implement some of those tools in my own life. Right now, it's kind of the uh, twenty-hour day. And yeah, that's, <laughs> yeah I'll, I'll work on it.
2: That's hard. <laughs> I mean, it's it's a lot of this brain stuff that we've been reading about. It's it's pretty hard to. To maintain that at twenty hours yes. a day, and I know you know you're, you're doing a lot of different things as well, but um, it's it, it's hard to sustain that for a time. It's one thing to if you have a big software launch or something like that to pull some all nighters and pull some long things, sure. but it's it's not sustainable. Steve Blank actually talks a lot about that too in some of his courses. He says you know you got to get your sleep, got to get your rest, so that you can you can ship, as you say.
0: Well, I love it. Uh, you know, I just want to say this conversation has been awesome. I really could talk for hours, but again, that would be a <laughs> great use, a very effective use of our time sure. to, to bring this stuff to life. But again, um, you know, check out Clay, uh, WorkHacks.com or Tribes Win or his blog Daily Sense. Uh, check out Spindos. He's got a lot of stuff going on. Connect with him. He's awesome. And you can learn a lot. And I honestly can't wait to dig into WorkHacks a little bit more. I think that's excellent. A lot of what I write about is how the brain, the neural networks in our brain work and how that actually applies to habit formation and things like that. And so yeah. love it. Love, love the topic. Love everything about it. Awesome. So thanks again, Clay, for, for stopping by and talking with us. I uh, really appreciate it. I know uh, the audience does too. So awesome. thank you, Greg. Thank
2: you, Tom. It was an absolute pleasure.
0: And that wraps up broadcast number six. If you want to find the show notes, just go to wwwtomworkuscom backslash broadcast six. That's the number six. As always, this is Tom Workus, and if you're listening to this, you are the resistance.
1: Thank you for listening to In the Trenches. Your creative work doesn't stop here. Join the resistance, the small but growing army of entrepreneurs and artists putting a dent in the world at www.tommorcus.com. Never fight alone. Join the resistance.